I know you. You are afraid to speak up. You are scared of what other people think of you. And you blame yourself for what happened to you. I know how it feels because I've been there. If you found me, I'm so grateful you are here. This podcast will give you hope. And I'm your host, Anna Maidanova. And I'm going to hold your hand and provide the guidance. It's time for you to find your why and turn your experience into your biggest power. This is your time now. So lock your door, put your headphones in and enjoy. Dr. Daniel Hanna, welcome to the world's best trauma recovery podcast. It's an honor to be with you. And it's an honor to be on your podcast. And you are one of the, ch- the kindest and gentlest and most uh, radiant people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to our time together. Thank you. What a wonderful beginning of my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. didn't plan that. But thank you so much, Daniel. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And my first question for you. Daniel, what is your definition of world word trauma? Right. So my definition is pretty broad because I call myself a psycho-spiritual mentor. And in my former life, I was a psychologist. And I added really strong spiritual components to the way I work with people because that's how my own transformation happened in my own life. So if I talk about trauma, I talk, talk about trauma from a psycho-spiritual perspective which might sound a little bit different than just a purely um, psychological um, interpretation of it. So, so how I see trauma is that it occurs on, on, multiple, on multiple levels and on a biological level, on an energetic level, on an emotional level, a mental level, and on a spiritual level simultaneously for most people. Okay? And, and then how it's all kind of connected and wired up and it's, it's different for everybody. So there's very unique flavors in how trauma expresses itself in someone's unique body and life and story. But um, I see it as a, as a real disconnect, a real disconnect from a genuine um, from a genuine presence within, you know, whenever we, it's almost like taking a lamp and, and taking and, pl- and unplugging it and it doesn't turn on anymore, you know, and then you try to turn yourself on you try to turn yourself on, but it just doesn't seem to work because you've been disconnected. So, so trauma for me equates to disconnection and healing trauma for me equates to reconnecting. Very simplistically said when meaning also reconnecting to source reconnecting to being reconnecting to that energy that flows through all of us and reconnecting to that source that moves everything once we are disconnected from that source then we are not feeling like we are ourselves we feel like there's something wrong with us you know because we keep trying to turn ourselves on but something just seems to be amiss so for me that's a that's a way how i see trauma another way how i like to see trauma is frozenness it's also like frozen energy so when you're let's say a river you know a river flows and it's beautiful and when when a when a river is frozen it's stuck and then when it snows the 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 snow accumulates on top of the on on the ice and that's kind of how experience is when you have trauma you experience life and the snowflakes kind of keep piling up and piling up and piling up. So it's like um, you have a backlog of experience. The longer you live, 
since you experienced trauma whenever whatever age that was so it's really about melting and unfreezing so that ice and the snow can melt back into the river of life okay so for me trauma is kind of frozen energy so it's kind of melting so you can flow back into the nature of how things are mm -hmm, on the deepest level what a what an amazing definition i've never heard this before thank you daniel and it's so clear and that's exactly how i felt about my trauma mm. why is it so important to heal our traumas yeah well when you are experiencing a trauma you're you're experiencing a disconnection from life when you're disconnected from life, then you can't experience life anymore. So you are really in some way a zombie, okay? You're kind of like semi-consciously alive, which makes you feel like I'm just going through the motions and things aren't quite as alive or things are not making me feel a certain way. There's just something missing. So if you ever want to have genuine intimacy with people with yourself in your spirituality in work you know you have to diminish the burden of trauma in your life because the more trauma the less intimacy you have with everything so for me it's also like as a proportional relationship to intimacy so if and intimacy is really what makes us feel like we're connected right so um so the less trauma i have the more intimate i am the more connected i am so if you want a high quality of life it's 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 wise to work on those parts inside of you that haven't come alive yet, that still feel frozen, that still feel unwelcomed in this world. So, and it's an ongoing process to keep unfreezing you and keep unfreezing you and keep unfreezing you so you can join more, so you can sing more, you can dance more, you can talk more, you can express your creativity more. So trauma is really a joy killer. Trauma is really a freezer. Trauma will inhibit you to not to, to kind of remain silent. You know, and it will keep people stuck. It will keep all, people feel like at the end of their life, they might look back and they feel like, oh my God, I haven't done what I needed to do. It's all trauma, you know? Yeah. So it, that's why I think it's so important because without trauma, there is, um, with, with trauma, there's no life, you know? Yeah. Daniel, you know what? I, I can resonate with that. <clears throat> Before I started my own healing journey, Yes, I was going to university, I was driving my car, then going to work, walk my dog out, like the life was going pretty normal. And outside, I looked like I have it all together. Yeah. But inside, I was a total mess, total mess. I was so afraid to speak up. Mm. I was so afraid to ask for help. Uh, even the simple interview job interview would be like a hell for me mm. because i was i was trying to anticipate what sort of questions they're gonna ask me what answer is correct or not correct i was trying to please people mm. yeah it was so tiring it was so exhausting yeah and i know it took me literally 20 years <laughs> to come to this point mm. daniel I know many people would have a trauma of any kind. Yeah. Why do you think they are so afraid to look back and to start healing process? It's a catch-22 because when you're traumatized, you can start seeing life through the lens of the past. 
So the reason why you wouldn't want to work on your trauma is because you are thinking that the trauma is going to happen again, right? So even if somebody comes with a medicine, like a spoonful of the most delicious medicine, they would heal your trauma and you just have to put it in your mouth, you would think that's poison. So and I call that being the wires being crossed in one's nervous system or in one's unconscious mind because the medicine, the healing, the love has become an allergen or a pathogen or a toxin in your perception. So people will actually go out of their way to avoid healing and to run from those people that would actually be a bridge to the, to the, to the um, paradise, you know, on the other side of this. So, so this is why it's so lonely to be in there because it's really hard to break that pattern. Daniel, I, I, I was holding so much guilt and so much shame after what happened to me when I was sexually abused by my stepfather when I was 15 at the first time. And I remember when everything started, I got frozen. I couldn't say a word. I literally became a mommy that couldn't move. And then I was beating myself up for so many years. You were 15 years old. You, you, you knew what was happening. Couldn't you just yell, scream, jump, do something? How would you explain what was happening with me? Well, in your, your innate trust in life has been broken. So at that point, since you couldn't move out anymore with your life energy, you had to kind of just do this sort of circuitous repetition inside of yourself for, for harming yourself or making yourself wrong, like blaming yourself, judging yourself, because what was stuck inside of you, you kind of want to spit it out in a way. It's like a toxin, but you can't, you know, because you feel like I cannot spit it out. I can't, I can't let it go. So I have to kind of regurgitate it and kind of re-expose re myself inside to the trauma until I'm ready to kind of move it out of me so that's that's something we all go through you know our, our bottoms and how long we hold on to pain and trauma and grief and sadness and anger we, we all have different bottoms like when do we let it go but some people let it go quickly animals for example can let it go immediately when the trauma happens right because they don't have this sort of thing of of um, locking everything in like humans have right they, they sometimes just discharge it right away when something difficult happens but we humans have a tendency to just uh, make it a lot more complex because how how our neurology works and how our brains work is is much more is much more sophisticated so so yeah so you were just doing what everybody else is doing and it's not a personal reaction at all it's really a collective uh, trauma response is really something everybody has built in you know so you were just doing what everybody else would have been doing if they would have experienced what you experienced just you with your unique flavors and your own biography and all that but it's very, very normal to go through this process, you know? So that's, I think, what you, what you were doing. You tried to heal yourself the best way you could until you found a way how to do it actually better. And then you were healing on a deeper level, right? So, but in the beginning, self-hatred self and blaming yourself and all that is actually the best, best attempt at healing ourselves. That's the truth, you know? Even though it sounds really bitter, you know? Yeah. It does, it does. It because sometimes you you like um, you stuck in this bubble, where in a bubble of shame and blame, and you like. I understand why people are killing themselves. Yeah. Because that's what happened to me. 
I was just standing on the 38th floor on the balcony when all these memories were coming coming through. And I was like, you know, all these you know, internal voices, like, you know, worth it like what's the point of leaving i'm just like okay Anna, just jump and all this pain and all this crazy talk will stop just jump and then i backed up i was like hold on why am i why should i suffer from it why should i be the one who kill who kill myself yeah it wasn't even my fault. And very often, victims are the only, per- the only people who are suffering from it. Mm-hmm. True. Very true. Daniel, what would be your advice to someone who is immeasurably suffering from sexual abuse trauma right now? Well... <clears throat> Since most traumas, including sexual trauma, have been experienced in a relational context, meaning like with another person, you know, so trauma is kind of stored in, a, in an interrelational sort of matrix. So meaning like trauma is also then best healed when you are back in a relationship with somebody that is trustworthy. So so I would for anybody who has been through trauma, relational trauma, sexual trauma, I think it's a very important thing to be in the presence of somebody that you can repattern and repair this innate trust again inside of you. you know? And that's going, that's going to be, first of all, as one challenge, number one is finding that person that you actually want to build a relationship with, somebody that you feel safe with, somebody that might be triggering you a little bit, but not so much that that you will be too overloaded with with um, feelings of not being safe and secure in that container. So so my advice to anybody with sexual trauma would be to really find somebody that that just calls to your soul, where you feel like I love that person, I feel safe with that person, I think that person can help me and just give it a try. Okay, because I don't think we are meant to heal trauma just inside of ourselves on our own. I think there's so much you can do on yourself, work with yourself, reading books and going to nature and taking care of your body and and meditating. And those are all wonderful tools, but the most powerful tool is to be vulnerable in the context of an interpersonal relationship, in a therapeutic relationship or in a coaching context that, that allows those things to come to the surface. And you don't have to carry it all alone anymore. There's somebody there that can carry it with you. You can be in the same space together and it's 50% easier to move it through and move it out and heal. So this is just my experience. And there's, there's resistance usually from, from doing this, but you know, sometimes the pain gets just so much that you feel like I need to, I need to, I need to keep, I keep, have to keep looking for someone I trust. So, and I've worked with, I don't know, you know, in the beginning of my career, I thought I wasn't sure about the statistics of sexual abuse because, you know, sometimes if you read like it's one, one out of like one out of three women or so have, have experienced this, you know? So, and, uh, and, but when I started working as a therapist early in my career, I saw so much of it that it was actually stunning to me. You know, I thought like, wow, this is very, 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 amazing i actually didn't didn't think that was a possibility but it actually was you know i have i've worked with so many females and males but mostly females with sexual abuse that i I mean i i feel honored you know i feel honored that i had the privilege to help so many 
young and 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 amazing um, women heal and 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 build trust again as as a male you know so um so yeah i'm i'm surprised how how endemic this is this problem and there's lots of lots of lots of help needed in our culture in on many levels to to repair this damage that has been done you know this is it's very 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 toxic well daniel when i started my own podcast i haven't realized how many people are out there who have never ever told their stories and there are so many consequences from suffering in silence what some of the common effects of not healing trauma have you seen from your experience as a psychologist yeah well internally you'll you'll recognize it as a very a very poor self-image you know with body with feelings with your thoughts i mean it's very internal dialogue self-dialogue is very very demeaning you know so it's just like very shame-based very judgmental and there's a lot a lot of pain being constantly created by that by that loop inside of ourselves that just constantly blames you judges you um, talks lots of fear and anxiety and worry and inability to form relationships so that's that's what it looks like on the inside on the outside it looks often like a, an either over expression of what happened to you in terms of like looking for the same purpose, looking for similar patterns again on the outside that will bring that memory closer to you so you look for people that are actually untrustworthy in relationships again or do similar things that cause a trauma and then and then uh, so it becomes a repetition compulsion they call it right so you feel like you came putting myself in the same problem situation over and over again and expecting a different result but the same thing's going to happen over and over again until you kind of wake up on the inside and say hey you know what i'm doing this to myself right and the other way how i can look is an avoidance pattern of people really isolating and not not forming any human relationships ever again and just isolating and becoming either monks or nuns or or like uh, <laughs> or just very um, you know secluded people and uh, and that's uh, uh, usually the two responses either an overexpression or or an underexpression of of that pattern right so but what you always have is a diminished self-esteem and a poor body image and you know the self-esteem that just goes into the basement you know yeah i know how it feels yeah. honestly yeah. i went through all of this and i've been suffering from it mm-hmm. perfectionism uh, negative self-talk <laughs> the lowest self-esteem and ending up uh, in uh, toxic relationship again and again and again not believing in myself not trusting myself mm-hmm. i honestly thought this is the way how everyone lives this is the way how i supposed to supposed to be it's nothing to do with my trauma yeah i was so wrong (laughs) so wrong it's i am still uh it's a progress uh work in progress but i can tell you daniel i can recognize i can't recognize myself Mm. from two years ago i quit my job my safe job to pursue a career of my dreams because mm. I finally believed in myself. Mm. I finally trust started to trust myself. 
And it's a, such a good feeling. Yeah. And then I, I'm meeting such an amazing people like you. <laughs> amazing. I'm, I'm so proud of you. You know, some people don't know how much work it takes to be at that place uh, of opening up again and trusting yourself again and doing something different, you know. So just want to acknowledge you as a brave soul to choose, first of all, a journey of being hurt and violated and, and being taken advantage of, and then also being brave enough to recover from it too, because both things are brave. Like for you to say, I'm going through this experience so I can heal and, and create this podcast, right? Those are two things. So just honoring you and, and thanking you for choosing this life and this, this experience and having the courage to heal it and then to be of service to others to, for them to find um, you know, a way of healing because we need this, you know, we need, we need bridges that people feel safe uh, walking on. And you're one of those bridges that leads people back home. So you're a voice of hope. So, so thank you for doing that. Thank you, Daniel. Daniel, and how is your journey began of healing your trauma? Yeah, mine is different because mine wasn't one event. So for me, um, I was never exposed to like one thing that messed me up, you know, so there wasn't, they were like, oh yeah, this is what my mom did or this is what my dad did or something like that. For me, it was really like a deep sense of disconnection at some point in my life. And I don't know when, at some point in my life, my wires got crossed. So at some point I felt like this is, this is, this is not what it's supposed to be. Like, this is, this is weird. I didn't feel at home in the world. And I do recognize, I do remember that being the case when my mom dropped me off in kindergarten and, and I felt so unsafe. I felt like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go. I don't want to, I don't want to go into this new environment. That's when I first have a memory of really experiencing like stress of separation, like stress of feeling like I'm, I don't know if this experience is too much for me, you know, so it's like wires kind of like getting blown out in my nervous system so I do remember that being a pretty pivotal event for me and and I've had that sensation of separation anxiety as a child like really strongly so re-experienced it later when I went to martial arts practice as a kid and then my dad dropped me off and I couldn't bear the thought of my dad not being there watching me so I couldn't think of like what if my dad's not going to watch me where is he is he still going to be there if he leaves you know so I had this sort of insecure attachment as a child and I think that was a, a huge question mark in my life like you know I always wondered like these feelings are strong. Like, why am I feeling this way? Um, and, and it ultimately led me to the study of psychology because I wanted to find a, a way of healing myself from this. So this was a feeling of, of deep internal um, loneliness and separation. And it had a lot of psychological overtones, but also a lot of spiritual overtones as well. Because I did feel like I lost my connection with, with source and God in a way that really, really disrupted me, you know, because I think I was a very spiritual child and I was very in tune with like God being beautiful, nature being beautiful, my, my parents being amazing. And at some point I felt like I'm in the wrong story, you know, and I have to protect myself in that story because something might happen that would make me feel unsafe. So so that, that was very, very powerful, but it was also an amazing motivator for me to become a psychologist and for me to become a very spiritual person. So what I did when I was young, I became the isolator. So I, I protected myself. I was in my room most of the time. I studied hard. 
I became very spiritual and very internally focused and developed an amazing amount of self-discipline and control. So, so I was, I was, yeah, I, I was just purpose-driven, you know, I wanted to be really good at my work, my work, my being a psychologist and being, being, advancing my consciousness and personally improving myself become, became almost like an addiction to me, you know, because I felt like that's where I have control and it will also be a means of freeing myself again. So, so that's a little bit of my story, you know, there's a very spiritual overtones of feeling separate from God, but also feeling separate from my parents and feeling, feeling separate as a child from, from the love that surrounded me. So I kind of at some point lost love as an experience within me. And, and I became very romantic early on in my life as a child, you know, I felt like, oh, there's, I wrote love letters to, to um, women and, you know, I became, I felt like, which was beautiful, you know, but it always had this sense of like, Oh, something beautiful lives out there, you know, like something, something beautiful lives out there. It's not quite an internal alive reality within myself. So, so that made me very poetic and made me very romantic and maybe because I'm a very sensitive person and very, very um, um, vulnerable and, and very attuned to feelings. So, so that, that gave me that part of me, you know, so whether one was more the masculine side of kind of very driven and purpose driven and, and discipline focused and the other one was very like, feeling and like and, and uh, longing and and uh, and po poetic like it's just living in those two worlds and really for me to heal the trauma inside of me it was really bringing those two qualities inside of me together like the one part that drives hard and is always like pretty strong like batman and the other part that's really vulnerable and kind of small and kind of um incomplete in a way and needing protection and needing help and needing affection and needing reassurance so for me it was super super important like a daily spiritual practice to bring those two parts together it's like dating myself it's like okay i'm dating myself it's okay i might not be dating anybody out there but i'm dating myself every day i'm, I'm creating a love relationship with me and that that's been for me the most important spiritual practice throughout my whole life this is amazing daniel i so many people would have a fear of separation and they would always diminish their experience. But you can't, you can't compare your experience with anyone. And Daniel, I'm just wondering who would be ideal partner for Dr. Daniel Harner? Who would be an ideal partner? Yeah. Who would be ideal partner? As, as, uh, it's two aspects to it okay one would be like the the dream version you know so it's like is that going to be a romantic fantasy like is that is that a like a is that a, a dream or is that a reality i don't know that's the mystery i live in right now at the moment you know where i feel like okay at least i can express what i want you know at least i can be clear about what i desire is there is that person out there maybe not maybe maybe i'm just describing a feminine version of daniel you know Maybe, maybe there is no such thing. And maybe that person wouldn't even be the person that I'm going to be in love with, you know? So in that, in that mystery, in that mystery, I'm currently living every day, you know, where I feel like, okay, I'm opening my heart. I'm available. And I'm, I'm looking for somebody that's, that's very, very soft and kind and gentle and loving. And somebody who has uh, in some ways, a similar life story to mine, a feeling like um, honoring the heart very deeply honoring the heart's desire very deeply and also knowing that life has been a preparation for a big love you know it's not just um not just um oh, i'm going here i'm going there i'm going there i'm going there it's more like no you're preparing yourself for somebody special okay it's like somebody that that's kind of like a, a 
somebody you're going to match match up with on many levels so like spiritually emotionally mentally and physically you know it doesn't have to be perfect but it has to be a very very strong compatibility there and that that's really the space i'm holding for the woman that's going to come into my life so and and you know let's be somebody who has walked through heartbreak it's, it has to be somebody that's recovered from trauma because it's important. It's important to know how to be traumatized, but to have the experience of being traumatized. Resonate. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, for sure. And then also somebody who's really good within the child work because for me, I needed to become very good at working with children and especially my inner child. So I was like reconnecting with, um, yeah, a young version of me that kind of kind of got lost along the way in my journey. So, and for my wife or partner or companion, whatever we shall call her, she'd have to speak both languages, right? She'd have to speak the language of the heart and also some ways is language of the mind. So that's it's what I do. And that's what I try to translate in my work all the time. It's what I call kind of psycho-spiritual. So, so she'd have to kind of understand me in a certain way. She doesn't have to understand me completely, but you'd have to understand the, the vulnerability that I, that I have on the inside and also my strength. And she'd have to bring out the best in me and I'd have to bring out the best in her. So it'd have to be a win-win scenario. Otherwise, it's not worth doing. You know? So, yeah, I, I don't know if that's, that answers your question, but it that's, describes it a little bit. Yeah. You've answered my question perfectly. Perfect. And the reason I've asked this question is because what I believe mm -hmm. that when we know exactly what we want, the universe or the power or God, uh, whoever you believe in, mm -hmm. will create it for you. And that's how you create your, your own life, your future. Yeah. You, you just literally write it down, what you want. And then make the, the first steps towards this. Just it, it can be as simple as open your heart to possibilities Absolutely. and believe that this person does exist absolutely yeah you have to be willing to live in the mystery you know you always like dream big and see what comes your way you know you it was just, what's the risk you know it's like that you don't get it okay it's, it's, <laughs> it's not that bad if you don't get it you know so at least you at least you're clear about what you wanted and you asked for it you know so. yeah exactly that's what i did when i wrote the list of my ideal partner i i will be honest I did believe that he exists, mm. that he's very loyal, very honest, very mm. kind, mm. Uh, has an amazing sense of humor. <laughs> you oh, know, God, I even described, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, I even described how he looked like. I love bald guys. <laughs> I like, uh, I wanted, uh, I wanted him to, uh, to be a New Zealander because I love New Zealand people. And he is, he's half Australian, half New Zealand. <laughs> I did not know that about your story. I find that very, very inspiring and fascinating. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Daniel, a week and a half wow. later, he stopped me on the street. And I knew exactly that he was my person. It was just this instant connection. Because your subconscious knows, hmm. yeah, this is the one. Oh, that's very, very powerful. Yeah, it works with everything, with your career of your dreams, hmm. with the with the life of your dreams, with everything. Wow. You would know. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, I I love it. I I totally love your story. Got to sh- got to write a book about this. This is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> Leighton did it already. Yeah, right. the the whole chapter is about how we met. Mm. Daniel, who is the person that inspires you the most? Well, the person that inspires me the most is me, because that's the person I need to get to live with day in and day out. So I, I inspire myself the most because I'm also the most challenging person that I've ever met. So for me to go into the own depth of my own psyche and my own mind is a discovery every day. And I don't have a recipe for it, how to decipher it. So, so for me to be with myself is at this point, the most interesting person to be with. So, but that being said, it'd be nice to share my life intimately with somebody that is as interesting, if not more interesting than, than I am. So, and I also want to say that I'm very privileged to have had amazing teachers in my life that were guiding lights uh, on my journey that revealed parts of myself to me over and over again, you know, and I, uh, starting with David Hawkins and Carl Jung and William Tiller, Nathan Swartzeland, Steve Hardison, like I've, I've been surrounded with, with the most brilliant minds that I could dream into being. And I've been exposed to them over very prolonged periods of time and had very intimate connections with them. So, so I've had people that inspire me very deeply, but at the end of the day, I'd always, I always have to come back to me and, and ask myself what, because I can't copy anybody out there, even though they might, might be the most amazing mentors, at the end of the day, I got to be in love with me and translate what their gifts are into how that comes through me. So, so at the end of the day, I'm creating myself through their lens and I'm a masterpiece. I'm an artwork. I'm the artwork that I'm creating. This is my life. So, so that, that, that's for me the most interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. You've had some amazing life, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. extremely, extremely, extremely blessed and, and privileged. Yeah. And I'm so blessed to know you. And I'm just wondering, in your opinion, what makes a coach a good coach yeah well that's a very good question and i love it i love the question because it's something i've asked myself over and over again both as a giver and also as a receiver you know like what a who is it somebody who's somebody that i like to learn from and who do i want to be when i'm with the person me being in the helper role right so i think first of all you have to be you have to be your number one priority. So if you're a coach, you, you gotta you gotta be willing to go to meet yourself, right? Because you gotta know yourself who you are. If you don't have that, then you're always gonna be giving blindly. Okay, so that's rule number one. It's like know who you are, get your own coach, get your own therapist, do your own healing. Like really, be who you are. That's number one. That's the being. That's the being uh, component. That's most important. So you gotta be who you are as a person. So second are, are like multiple qualities, but I just name a few. So as a really good coach, you have to be an amazing listener. Like listening is underrated. Listening is way underrated. So if you want to be a good coach, you have to really learn how to slow down. Slow down to your own internal reality and you have to be able to slow down to the other person's reality. Because if your mind is faster than the other person's reality, you're not going to be really listening. Okay, You might be listening with your ears, but not with your subtle senses. 
So you got to be present. You got to be really, really, really present. So especially for trauma, because when a person talks, when they have trauma, they're going to talk to you in two different ways or three different ways or five different ways because their experience is fragmented inside of themselves. So when you're listening, you have to kind of listen with five ears sometimes or three or two. And then you have to kind of, the person might want to just communicate one channel to you, but you have to say, well, I heard you say this, but I also heard you say that. And I also heard you say that. You bring those two or three or things together and the person has an integrated experience and it's a healing. So, so I'm just saying listening is underrated. Listening is extremely important. And I think the space you hold and the love that you have inside of your being as a result of the work that you've done is the most transformational force. So imagine like I have, I have like 15 PhD degrees, you know, it's like, okay, I've only one from a university, but like I have learned a lot of things. I've learned a lot of things and I've integrated those things. I've, I've, I've broken those things down. I've ingested those things. I've digested those things. They've become part of my cellular matrix. So, so everything that I've learned, Every experience that I've had, every trauma that I've worked through is also inside of me as a, as a healing for the person that's with, that I am with. So it's like a silent thing. I don't have to say that, but everything I've learned is transmitting to a person that I'm with, right? So and that most people don't get that because they can't see it, but it's like, no, when you're with a person, you'll have, you, you feel like, wow, wow, I get the space that that person is in. That person has gone through this challenge and that challenge. And, you know, it's like, it's almost like you build inner wealth. It's an invisible wealth. It's like an invisible kingdom. So if people could see the invisible kingdom, mine, that they, they start crying, you know? If people saw what you created, what you have done, the work that you've done, like what it took for you to be here right now, it's like people would start crying. So with everybody, if we really saw into each other's realities, we'd, we'd, start, we'd become very humble and very touched because we don't know what people's stories are and what pain people have walked through to be where they're at. To be where I'm at at this point, like taking me everything everything literally everything so so that's important quality of a coach you know so like this is this all goes into the equation right? and then of course there's there's reliability trustworthiness impeccability you know then there's there's a way how you communicate are you communicating clearly are you consistent you know are you so those are but they're all more like not as important but still important facets as well yeah and i think another one is extremely important is switching gears so you have to be able to switch gears. You cannot just be in one gear all the time and drive the car that way as a healer. If you want to be a really good healer or coach or therapist, then you have to be able to switch gears because people are going to be in different gears at different times and they'll have different needs in different stages of their development. So if you want to really guide somebody in multiple ways, you'll have to be able to shift. Sometimes you might be the kindest mom. Sometimes you might be the kindest dad. Sometimes you might be getting really intense and wake somebody up, you know, so it's like you have to be willing to dance with the movement and be able to do that, you know, yeah. I love it. Thank you so much, Daniel. I'm becoming a coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and your advice is so amazing and profound because not many people would, would practice this. Yep. Daniel, I'm just wondering... What people can expect from being with psychologists, from this session with psychologists? And I'll explain to you why I ask this question. My first experience with my psychologist wasn't so great. Mm -hmm. I was listening to my psychologist probably for half an hour, first half an hour. <laughs> 
And I know why it's happened. It's not because uh, he was a bad psychologist. It's just because it was my first time and I was so ashamed and so afraid to share my story yeah. <laughs> that I, I was just like, tell me about yourself. <laughs> I know it was the most expensive <laughs> get to know my psychologist session. <laughs> and I remember my fear of not being able to find a good psychologist, a good, good therapist. And I didn't know what to look for. I was literally just pointing, you know, my finger into into the sky and just guessing. Uh, yeah. Took me like five, four, five people. Yes. To get a good psychologist. Mm. I was like, I'm just wondering if people finally decide, yes, I want to start my healing journey. Yeah. What can they expect from this session and how to find a good therapist yeah well for me as a as a subject for me as an experience of therapy I, I resonate with your story because for me it's like I am very picky and it took me until I was probably 29 30 years old until I finally found somebody that I really wanted to be with and really really wanted to work with and that was a relief okay because before I felt I was under this predicament that I felt like I don't know if there's anybody out there and I don't find any people that I resonate with and it's like all that that lonely thing it's just like I don't know if there's anyone like me it's like can I can I talk to somebody that just really speaks my language so when I was 30 years old I finally found somebody and he was a Jungian analyst and he was the best analyst since Carl Jung and and I resonated with him so deeply and so profoundly that I experienced healing of traumas that I didn't even know that I had so it's almost like the lesson appears when you find the teacher. So I found a teacher and then I found like, oh my God, I have so much inside of me that's, that I didn't even know I had. I actually didn't even quite have a full understanding what trauma was up until I was 30 years old, even though I learned it in school. And even though I had kind of an idea what it was, but to really like be thrown into it, it's just like, oh my God, like I had no idea. This is intense. Like this is really distorting my way I see the world. And this is distorting the way I think and everything. It's like, wow, this is an amazing experience. So, so I would say for people, it depends. It's like in, there's a, from zero to a hundred, there's every flavor out there of therapists and ages and genders and, and, and orientations. It's the wild west. Okay. So, so I would say, trust your heart, trust your heart. Don't give up. Keep looking until you find somebody in where you feel like in that presence, I can relax. And I feel like there's hope around somewhere. I feel like that person gets me. If you feel seen, heard, and, and held by that person's presence, that's very, very good. Initial anxiety might be normal, but there's a deeper sense inside of you that will tell you, this is, this is where I want to go. So, and when I found my first therapist, this was such a strong experience because I talked myself out of it in my mind. I thought, like, this is too expensive, and I don't know, and da 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 But I, I kept coming up, it kept coming up, it kept coming up. So I thought, like, okay, I'm going to do it. If it keeps coming up, I need to do it. It's, like, it's not an option. So... So what, what can people expect? It will, dif will depend on how you, who you are being when you meet a therapist. And it also depends who that person is that you decide to work with. But um, I say be open and trust your heart, you know, and you will go through if that person is really, really good. It will, it will take its time. It will take its time. So don't rush the process. Like be patient and test and, and trust yourself also when you feel like I don't want to do this anymore. You know, it's like you feel like 
somebody is not honoring uh, of uh, who you are and somebody doesn't quite get who you are, then, then, then tell them that it's not a fit and move on and find somebody else, you know, because the last thing you want to do is, is uh, re-experience something that already has happened in the past. So remove yourself from situations that aren't healthy. And there's also therapists that have blind spots and also not healthy. So it's important to, to know that not, not every therapist is, has gone through, um, you know, maturation in that sense, you know, of their psyche. So, yeah, I would say somebody also who is a little more experienced. This is it's important. So, you know, it's important to have somebody that's understands really where you, what your history is and where you come from and has a track, his track record of, of healing conditions like that. So, yeah, and, and you need to be committed to the process too. So you have to show up committed because if you always have a foot out the door, then it will, you know, not work as well. So you have to, so I'm showing fully up with my therapist. I'm going to give this a try. 100% believe that there is a therapist for you. Mm. Trust yourself, yeah. trust your gut and do a bit of research. <laughs> well contact anna you know like if you feel like i don't find anybody like contact anna like so he's like anna i need somebody do you know somebody like or do, are you the one like you know like just uh not, not to say that you're psychologist but you work with people that have similar stories that you have so it's like yeah i mean there's people everywhere there's so many amazing people so also just don't limit yourself just looking in one direction look in many different directions yeah exactly ask for help yeah. ask for advice Anybody, yeah, ask, like, do you know somebody, like, you know, be open, you'll find it 100%. If I could find it, everybody else will be able to find it, because <laughs> I am the most picky person out there on the planet, so. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you a question, but I'm sort of hesitating. <laughs> yeah, well, don't, 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 just, just ask. There's no... Nothing's off limits. I just want to know how it felt when you were working with your mentors. Yeah. Carl Jung mm -hmm, and David Hawkins. How, how did it feel? Well, Carl Jung was a, was a person that already died in 1962 or three. I don't remember. So, so he was my initiation to psychology and spirituality in that sense of, of, of somebody who's understood both domains and made a connection between those two realities. So he was more like a, a spiritual grandpa. So, so, so he got me on the track. I felt like, okay, this is a soul brother for me. This is a guide. This is somebody that I deeply resonate with. So he set me on this journey to psychology. Um, so every one of my mentors was extremely different. So, so if you're asking me how it was for me to be with these mentors, I'd have to actually write a book and, or a movie or, or like have another podcast with you and we could go through some of those. But, um, but I'll, I'll give you just a really brief synopsis, okay? So being with David Hawkins was being like with a mystic. And so it was a transpersonal teacher. So there wasn't a personal element in his teaching. It was a teacher that helped you reconnect with spirit. So, so this was not a psycho-spiritual teacher. This was more of a spiritual teacher, okay? It's more like a, somebody you look up to and it's just transpersonal. It's not personal. It's not an unequal. It's like somebody you look up to. So that was David Hawkins. Very, very powerful. So amazing, 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 amazing person. Most Probably the most amazing person I've ever met. Yeah, yeah. So then, but that didn't mean like it was a complete experience for me because I was still a young man growing up and I needed, I needed to have a more personal experience of how to be in the world and how to embody myself and all of my qualities and parts. So for me, meeting my psychotherapist 
my Jungian analyst, Nathan Swartzelant, was uh, amazing initiation because he connected me, really reconnected me with the lineage of Carl Jung because he was actually trained in Zurich as a Jungian analyst and I was able to train with him. So I actually have only um, one person in between from him and Jung. So because he was trained by the people that Jung trained. So, so being with him was just the first experience of somebody who really understood the shadow and the darker elements of the alchemical process that goes on in healing and all the all the trauma parts and how to really bring him back into an embodied experience within myself so so he was an amazingly related person that was almost like clairvoyant that could feel things it's like oh you're you're right now leaving your body like you know like try to come back like you know it's just like somebody who was really attuned and extremely grounded like i could feel like this guy is like the earth so and i was a little bit like ungrounded because I did so much spiritual work and I still had trauma so I was I needed to have a grounding presence in my life so he was that sort of like tree-like presence heavy it's just like ah felt good it's like sometimes I just had his book in my under my bed covers just to sleep with it because I felt like it was just I need that energy so bad you know so so that was, <laughs> that was Nathan you know then I had Dr. William Tiller who's a Stanford physicist and engineer and he was a scholar in how human consciousness and intention relate to the physical world and how do they intersect. So he was the science mind be behind human intentionality and how it relates to the physical universe. So with him, I could really explore the intersection between psyche, like the, the emotional domain, the mental domain, and how it affects the material universe. So we did research on, on distant healing experiments, for example, like one intention being sent over across the globe to different people and then receiving an intention and a healing that way. So and I, and I, I worked like for th three and a half years with him and I, he was my doctoral supervisor and we worked on helping autistic kids have a more embodied experience and coming back into integrated, fully sensory integrated uh, experiences. So, so that was more like a, like an academic relationship, but also very fruitful because he was more like an engineer, scientist, quantum physicist. I was more like a psychologist. So it was a kind of cool intersection. He was looking for me. I was looking for him. We both found each other. So then I had a mentor called Ron Young and Ron Young was uh, amazing because he reconnected me with my parents and my ancestry and my, and my roots. He said, Daniel, you've been in America for so long. Like you got to go home and see your parents and reconnect with them. Because it's important that you see your mom and talk to your parents. So it was an amazing, amazing bridge where it comes for me to reconnect with deeper aspects within myself in that way. So amazing person, still alive. So you can still learn from him. So, and yeah, now Steve Hardison. Steve Hardison has been more like a dad, father, Christ-like person in my life that is, uh, represents the crown on a king's head because he's really a mental master and a master of life. So, you know, I'm privileged to be connected with him since 2015 and i'm currently still in, in a mentoring relationship with steve so so very grateful for that so that's just a brief overview of all the people that i learned from thank you so much for asking about that not a lot of people do they're 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 in priceless gifts in my life so i always honor them very deeply and always reference them as, as big influences in my life because without them i wouldn't be here you know. wow wow <laughs> Well, firstly, big shout out to Steve Hardison. I um, I met him, and I can sign under every single word that you you said about him, Daniel. Oh. But you just told me, you just showed me an importance to have a mentor in oh. your life. Oh. 
and this is this is amazing daniel i'm just i'm just just conscious of our time yes um where people can find you well the best way to find me is on my website you know which is danielharner.com there's not a lot of information on there about me but enough so you can get a a small idea of what i do the way i work and and um stop by and if you feel called write me an email or text me um, i'm available for conversations and I, I love helping people and i love especially helping people who are very sincere about their healing and their spiritual journeys and um, i always love meeting fellow travelers so if you feel called to reach out please do so mm-hmm. amazing uh before we go daniel do you have any concluding thoughts yeah, I say whoever is listening to this podcast, I'm assuming they're listening to this podcast for a reason. So because either your journey or the, the guests that you have on are in some ways of interest to them. So if if there is one thing I would like to leave the listener with, it's that you're not alone. You're not alone. Everybody carries pain in their hearts. Like the human experience is difficult, you know, and don't do it alone. Like don't, don't ask yourself what's wrong with me and, and go through those uh, internal tormenting processes. Like be connected to people that are a little bit further ahead than you are on your journey and on your healing journey. So you can bridge the, the isolation. The isolation is the hardest part about trauma that you feel alone. So if you do find somebody in your life, then it will help tremendously to feel like you're getting like a 30 or 50% upgrade immediately, but just being connected to somebody you deeply feel like, okay, this is a good connection for me. It's like, it can be friends, it can be mentors, it can be coaches, it can be anything, but I would say, please keep looking for the people that, that sing to your soul, that speak your same language, that you feel like are your tribe. And, and I, I'm so blessed at this point, because when I was 17, I thought like, I had thought it was a dream that I'd be connected with the people that I'm connected with right now. And now these people are in my life and I get to share my life with them. It's like, this is happening. So if it can happen to me, it can happen to you too. So please just keep looking. If there's one thing I did repeatedly is never give up on myself and always kept looking for where's the next possibility for me. And that's the reason why I'm in America because I knew there's going to be people for me here that I can learn from. So I always trusted that even though it didn't make sense to the people around me, sometimes the decisions I made, it made sense to me in the long run because otherwise I wouldn't be here right now. So trust yourself, trust your heart, follow your intuition and don't give up and don't be afraid to make mistakes. Just learn how to course correct and keep moving. Amen, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Danielle Hanna. Thank you for being here. I know it's not easy, but there is a part of you who is ready to take this journey all the way, and I can help. Reach out to me directly at Anna at AnnaMadeNova.com to get work. You can also connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn for more healing stories and magic. This journey isn't possible to do on your own. So make sure to like, subscribe, and review the podcast so we can help more people like you. If you have someone in your life who is struggling to overcome their trauma, this is something you can give them that truly can change the course of their life forever. We'll see you next time for another episode of the World's Best Trauma Recovery Podcast. And just remember... You are able to help yourself and you can do it right now.